In episode 59 of MobyCast, John and Chris break down Brett Fisher's DockerCon 2019 session, which was titled, Node.js Rocks and Docker for DevOps. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about cloud-native development, AWS, and building distributed systems. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Chris and Rich. It's another episode of MobyCast. Hey. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Hey, so Chris, I haven't talked to you since you went to DockerCon, and I've been curious to find out how it went. Yes, DockerCon. You're fresh back today, right? Yes, late, got back late last night from beautiful San Francisco, and uh, this was DockerCon 4 for me, fourth year in a row. And uh, it's been interesting to see how it's how it's evolved over the years and, and changed and whatnot. So, but same same basic format: two full days of of content and sessions, and then the um, last day, a third day, was uh, kind of a um, repeat of some of the the more popular breakout sessions, as well as new this year were the open source summits, which is actually kind of an inter- it was definitely kind of an interesting thing. And I wasn't able to participate in any of those or attend them just because of the timing, but it's a it's a good addition, I think, to the conference. Cool, cool. So let's just get right to it. On a scale of I will never go back to best conference ever, where did, where did this one land? That's a tough one because uh, <laughs> 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 it's so... Uh, from a personal standpoint, this probably is my last DockerCon, just because after four, I think it's kind of reached the the, the saturation point. There's not a lot of a lot of new um, innovate, you know, enough innovation and enough new things happening to Docker itself, and so the the return on like just learnings there for for someone that's that's more experienced with it it becomes less and less each year the the return becomes less and less and i think this is absolutely true across the board for docker con attendees every year they always ask you know hey raise your hand if this is your first docker con and it's well over half the audience shoots sure. up their hand right so I, I do think DockerCon in particular is definitely one of those conferences where the need to go every year becomes less and less, as opposed to something like reInvent, where you know we've talked about that. That pace of innovation is just relentless, and there's just so much, just so much going on there. There's so much to learn that, like, it's almost like you have to go each time just to to try to keep up with what's going on. So from that standpoint, I said I think this was my probably my last docker con but I'm, but I'm glad i went docker getting old and long in the tooth <laughs> <laughs> how about a very um mature and robust technology <laughs> there we go yeah you know i think it might be worth you sharing a couple like why don't you just share a couple of your your takeaways from how the the keynotes were or the keynote and then just maybe a couple of sessions and then we can maybe dive in like what we want to do this episode is we want to dive into one of the better sessions that i think is useful for for our audience and for and, you know people that also are developers at our company. So yeah, just very, you know, like maybe one minute overview on a few sessions and then we'll start diving into one that we liked. All right. Yeah. Get, get the stopwatch out. Yeah. So I, in general, something that really stuck out is um, this felt much smaller this year. And um, so in previous years, I think, you know, last year and, and the year before at Austin, the numbers were about 5,000 for attendees. And I was seeing numbers around 3,000 in some of the emails that they were sending out from the Docker folks. And I mean, that's a big difference to go, to go from five to three. 
And it, it, it definitely felt smaller. And that has pluses and advantages too, right? It makes it really easy to get into, the, I mean, like reInvent, there's so much FOMO going on. I'm like, am I going to get any sessions and, and uh-huh. you know, battle people out for it versus DockerCon? It's like, just chill, you know, uh-huh. Docker, Docker and chill. Like you're not going to have any problem getting into a session. So I had, like, you don't have to pre-register nothing. It's just so simple, right? You just <laughs> walk in and, and no big deal. So that was a kind of a big difference. It's kind of, you know, we talked about this with, with last year's session with the changeover from Ben and, and Solomon now to the, to Steve, Steve Singh running, running Docker. And I think, you know, Docker focusing more on like what's their business model and really kind of becoming a, a business, not just a technology, seeing more and more of that focus. And it just kind of has more and more of that feel of like, this is about the enterprise. It's about business, about making money. And so sure. kind of like, yeah. feels like it would go like, it's feels sort of yucky. Like it goes from a two day celebration of innovation to a two, two day infomercial. It's, it, it's definitely a different vibe for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. And it, it just, it is what it is. Right. I mean, that's, that's just kind of what they, what they need right now. And, and right. that's what they're focused on. So it just, it is what it is. I thought it was interesting for whatever reason this year, like the theme kind of felt like it was all about stickers uh-huh. and it's like, I'm just, I, I just, I, I mean, stickers are fine. I got a few on my laptop, more than a few on my laptop, but this, this was like everything. Like it was the big thing during the conference was do things to get stickers, right? Like go talk, go, go play around with one of their robots and you get a sticker or you fill out a, the survey for the, for the conference and you get a sticker. You go do something special at the conference party, you get a sticker and you, and they give you a sticker book to put your stickers <laughs> in. <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's just, it's really, it was kind of strange. I mean, in previous years, like when, like in, when I was in Seattle, you know, for the keynote on every chair, they put a, they put an umbrella with Docker logo on it. Right. This year you got this blank sticker book, which was, it literally was just like a little notebook. Like, I mean, it wasn't even a sticker. I mean, <laughs> so kind of weird. I mean, I definitely would have preferred the umbrella as, right, opposed, right. To, as opposed to the notebook, but you know, it is what it is. The, the keynotes this year kind of, again, followed the same uh, kind of look and feel. I, it was, for me, it was a little bit of, uh, um, again, the energy, the vibe wasn't, wasn't there. There was a big chunk of time spent with a, a round table of Docker customers. So they had five, five different representatives from five companies up on the, the stage and spent about 20 minutes doing kind of like a, a round table discussion Q&A. And it was, uh, I, I would have preferred them, you know, doing, doing something else, I guess, yeah, the, yeah. The, the nicest way to say it. So right. if you get that many C-level people on a stage together in a panel, and it's just going to be a game of saying nothing, but seeming important. I know they, they, what they should have done, should have passed out beers and we should have played buzzword bingo um, <laughs> and <laughs> drink. Right. Um, that would have been um, pretty interesting maybe, but <laughs> This was the first time ever I heard the term brownfield. So we've all heard greenfield, right? Brownfield. Have you heard? Have you heard of this? No, no, no. Not outside of the sewage and sanitation. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, and you're not. So I had never heard of this before. I heard other people, speakers there, they mentioned they hadn't heard it before as well. So apparently, a new term. What it means? Basically, it's what you do when you have like a mixture of legacy and greenfield work. So that's brownfield, right? So decomposing your monolith, 
you have you know your legacy app and then you start building up some some carving away functionality in the form of new new microservices around it that's brownfield okay um, so some something learned there and the you know a final kind of takeaway is i was kind of surprised at just how small the expo floor was it was like, it was really say? really That's small. Interesting. Like people, that means companies didn't want to spend the money to to you know be there. And does that mean that there are not that many companies, or that they you know all like there's tons of companies and they just didn't feel the spend was worth it because the, the their potential customers weren't there. Yeah, I mean, and and who knows? I mean, it's it's probably all of that and more. But I was kind of surprised. Like a lot of the companies that I remember being there last year were not here this year. I that there are fewer companies. Like you think about what companies are out there building stuff that's really all about the container and you know new companies or or the numbers of companies in the container sort of landscape. That that probably peaked last year or maybe even two years ago, and and then started getting consolidated and and you know lots of die off too. Yeah, I mean, part of me thinks that like the the market there is still the same same players and and maybe even some some growth. So like in years past, there's been a lot of vendors there in the storage driver space and mm -hmm. obviously in the monitoring, tracing, diagnostics um, area, hybrid OS vendors and the likes and whatnot. And, you know, all those those folks are still out there and, and, and going strong. They just weren't they there. just weren't there. Yeah, they just weren't there this year. So wow. Yeah, it was it was There's your answer. It, it was kind of surprising. So yeah. all right. So I actually don't think we should spend too much time talking about talks that we're not going to talk about. Let's just say that it isn't really exactly the first time I've talked to you since we went to DockerCon and you went to a lot of talks that you're never going to get that time back in your life. But there was there were a couple of good ones and and we'd like to break down talks here on Mobicast and really get into them and talk about them and 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 sort of go, you know, a level deeper than can when you're just sitting there and in the moment. So let's do that with with one of your favorite talks from this, this past show. The yeah, yeah. So um, I did attend a session from Brett Fisher, who's a longtime Docker captain and just very big in the Docker, longtime Docker community. Does a lot of training and online courses now on blogging and like I said, Docker captain, just really, really active in, in the community. So he gave a talk all about Node.js and using that in Docker. Um, so it's called Node.js rocks in Docker for dev and ops. And so kind of like the high level description of this was just best practices for managing Node um, and JavaScript projects when developing, testing, and operating containers. So it's going to cover, the session covers local development of Node and JavaScript specific projects, and then also how to optimize Docker desktop and Docker Compose configs for the best of all worlds with JavaScript and Docker. So yeah. given that, you know, here at, at Kelsis, we're, we're a heavy Node.js shop, and obviously right. we're, a, we're a big Docker shop. It's like, yeah, this, this, this looks like a good session to go to. And w without knowing anything about the talk, just the, the name of it, Node.js rocks for in Docker for DevOps, it's like, yeah, it does. It's kind of a perfect marriage, right? Node makes these little servers that that die if any error, error happens. So having a having a infrastructural, if you will, way of spinning them back up and treating them as cattle seems kind of perfect for the exact type of you know solution that Node provides. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, this this was this was a very good, relevant, practical talk, and it was really just a a hit list of like 
here are some of the the, the tips and tricks. Um, some of these are somewhat known, and then there were some kind of more more detailed, nuanced gems as well. So um, pretty good session. So maybe um, just kind of you know the overall outline for this was kind of again you know, uh, various topics around like how to you know do Node in a in a Docker environment. And so some of the, the high the high level topics that was covered were, okay, what are some of the, the best practices for doing Docker files for Node? How do we do process management for containers with Node? And that's right. Time. <laughs> yes. What I was just making. Yeah. yeah. Talk about like healthy shutdown. Like how do you actually properly shut down Node with Docker, which is actually a, a very big gotcha. Huh. And then go into a bit about things like how do you, you know, multi-stage Docker files and how you can use those for your various different environments. Also get into like some of the things we all should be doing, like security scanning and auditing. And then also wrapping up with some some practical tips for dealing with with the the classic node modules problem with with npm and how when that gets built what it's getting but what what platform it's getting built for and kind of making sure that you're not running into problems especially if you have volume mount shares so you can do easier do things like hot reloading um, for debugging and whatnot so making sure your node modules doesn't get you don't get bit by by that. And I'm not then, familiar with that particular problem, but we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there at the end of our outline. And, and mm-hmm. everyone listening, this is definitely going to be a, a two-parter. So absolutely, yeah. And then a, a little bit of talk, a little bit about health checks um, and and cool. how those fit into the the whole the whole scenario. So cool. that's, that's the general outline. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts with the Docker file and the best practices around that for Node. Yes. Yeah. So let, let's let's go into that. So um, you know, starting off with that. You know, kind of like the first thing Brett touched on was just like, okay, first of all, let's talk about the base image. What base image should you use? And so, uh, you know, stick with the even numbered major releases of Node, right? So these are the the ones that are going to be supported and have LTS. Node recently just just released twelve, so that's something definitely to. Uh, to uh, yes, I'm sorry. What does that stand for? Long term support. Okay. Yeah. So the odd ones won't have long term support, but the even ones will. And I believe LTS is guaranteed something like eighteen months or two years worth of support. And so, so stick to the even numbered major releases of Node. And then, you know, one of our, we've, I think we've, we've definitely talked about this in the past. Don't use the, the latest tag. So be very explicit with what version you want and of, the, of the actual tag. image. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah. This is, this is the tag on the, on the actual Docker image that you're using, right? So don't use latest. Instead, just pick the number that you want to use and, and use that because with latest, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. It's going to change out from underneath the view. We've also talked about the issue with caching. So if for whatever reason, oh, um, yeah. your Docker host, if you have a latest, uh, an image that's tagged latest and it's cached there on your local host and hasn't been reaped, that could mean that, you know, you're going to be using an old version of, of uh, old version without really wanting that. So yeah, just don't use latest. Specify the version that you want. Cool. Makes sense. Hey there, this is Rich. Please pardon this quick interruption. We recently passed an internal milestone of 30,000 listens, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for the support. I was also hoping to encourage you to head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. Positive feedback and constructive criticism are both incredibly important to us. So give us an idea of how we're doing, and we'll promise to keep publishing new episodes every week. Okay, let's dive back in. 
another uh so and this is this is actually something that probably has caught all, if you're using node and if you're using you know docker with node you've probably run into this and that is the if you're using one of the versions that's based on the jesse distribution you probably got bit by this issue where you could no longer build your docker image when it went to go pull from from the the debian repo for for jesse it's not there anymore and so this is because you know Jesse is no longer supported by De- by by Debian, and so they re- they archived it. So basically, don't use Jesse. Instead, use switch to uh, stretch is the the, the flavor of, um, that you should be looking for in the official Node distribution. So use use stretch, not Jesse, and then you're not gonna you, you that will be a supported a supported version. And so again, that that's a pretty relatively new when it comes to nodes supported by whom like just various maintainers of node or or a company so well this is this is specifically debian so this is the um okay so so you know the debian linux distro this is they have archived jesse they're the ones that were jesse is that flavor of debian um and so they're just no longer supporting it both both wheezy and jesse have been archived so what it means is you're not going to get any security patches on those, right? So it's kind of like the same thing with Node with LTS support, right? So if it's not an LTS version, if you're using one of those odd ones, well, then you know after six months, it's no longer going to get updated with with you know security you know, CVEs that happen and whatnot. So it's just not not supported anymore. Got it. Yeah. Um, so use so use Stretch, and then um, he also talked a bit about okay, w- you know, should you use what about Alpine versus Slim? And so, and I think we've we've talked about this in the past as well um, about using Alpine for for your images. Um, Alpine's a lot of great things about it, and you'll you'll hear a lot of people talk about Alpine and talk about the advantages of it. So it's very very minimal base image it's just stripped down to just what you absolutely need okay it's from from a software standpoint right so you're so you're so it's good for for two reasons one it's good for just file size so if you're if you're concerned about file size like alpine it's going to be very very small so like the full node images are like almost a gig pulling in everything versus alpine is like 77 megs right right so it's a huge huge difference there but not only that regardless of the space the other big advantage of it is just security and and the the breadth of air, the surface area right. that you have to the cover right so the more software you have the the more surface area you have and the more possibilities that hey there's going to be something wrong here with security i'm going to have a uh, there's just more than i have to protect so the the less software you have there the less doorways into your into your code so right. So those two things, um, something to to look at. The downsides of Alpine are just that it's much more difficult to work with, right? Like it's just not convenient. It just everything is different on Alpine. Um, Bash is not there by default, right? Everything you want, you've got to add to it. Yeah, like you know, it's got its own package manager, totally different than AppGet or or Yum. So it's it's going to be it's it's more difficult to work with and also the cve scans don't work so well with alpine and it's also because it is so minimal like it has its own compatibility issues like in particular like recently there was a, a file watching issue with NodeMom, which is a popular package with node to, to to monitor file system changes so that you can hot reload your app 
well, that wasn't working with Alpine, you know, but fine with, with other distributions. So it's, you know, again, minimal software, harder to configure. You're going to more likely to run into this, these, um, these issues. But the, the reason why he, he went into this so much is just like, look, use Slim. Slim is actually pretty darn small. It's not too much bigger actually than Alpine. So his in his example, he was talking about like for the official Node.js images, Slim is about 150 megabytes versus Alpine is 77 which is so much, you know, 150 megabytes, still so much better than one gig, you know, or 800 right, megabytes yeah. or whatnot. So 150 megabytes, it's totally reasonable. It's, it's, it's only like 75 megabytes more than Alpine. You kind of get a lot of the, the software that you're used to. So start off with Slim and just go with that make life a little bit easier. And unless you have a really compelling reason why you need to, to go to Alpine, start with Slim. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So we just have a couple more minutes and I think we can get through one more, one more point and finish out this Dockerfile best practices section. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, so we talked a little bit about node modules and, you know, dealing with that. And so this, this does become kind of more of an issue when you do have the volume mounts between your containers and your hosts. So when you're developing locally on your on your machine you know for things like hot reloading or for just speed of development sometimes you'll you'll want to you'll want to share that with the host and node modules with the with the host and your source um, but the problem is is that like if you are building for a if, if your node app needs to run under a certain platform which it does right like it's going to be probably running under linux like if you're running in aws or azure some cloud or whatnot Probably gonna be run on the or you're gonna be run on the Linux machine, right? Mm -hmm. So, and there are you know some Node modules definitely have native code, right? So yeah. when you yeah. when you do an npm install, it's gonna go run to Node JIP to compile the the native code, the C code, C plus plus code, whatever it may be, and object code, and it needs it's gonna be done for the platform that it's being run on. So if you if you were like running, you know, work, working on a Mac um, on OS X and you're sharing your node modules and you run your NPM install outside the container, it's going to be, NodeJip's going to be compiling against Mac OS. Um, yeah. And then if that gets embedded into your actual, baked into your image, and now you go deploy your image out on AWS, like things are not going to go well. <laughs> right, yeah. That, yeah, that's right? super interesting problem. Yeah. So, you know, he just definitely pointing this out, be careful with it. You know, definitely one of the things you should be doing is you should be adding node modules to your Docker ignore file. And so if you do that, you definitely don't have to, don't have to worry about it. Um, your Docker, just so I can't recall, your Docker ignore file is going to, it's basically going to say, when you're putting this image into an image repository, don't bring this stuff with it. It's when you're building the image. So oh, when you're okay. when you're building the image, it says whenever you're adding files or copying files, don't, I don't care what you say in the instruction, don't include these types of files. Okay, got you it. Do it. So, so so you can. And when you say in the instructions, you're talking about in the Docker file instruction. In the actual Docker file itself, right? So it's an add or it's a copy instruction in your Docker file. So whatever you're specifying there, the Docker ignore file will override that. So that if you said like, so typically your Docker ignore, you're going to like, you want to make sure something like dot git is ignored, right? Because you don't want your git repo to be part of your actual Docker image. Um, so that's something went there. And so node module should be there as well and protect against that for when you are building an image. Of course, you shouldn't be building your image on your on your local machine. You should be doing it in your CI system. Yeah. But, you know, again, we sometimes we, you may or may not be doing that. So, so add it to your Docker ignore. And then wrapping up the the Docker file best practices, the the the, the final thing discussed was just talking about security and, and principle of least privilege. And 
definitely switching over and using the node user to run your application. And so by default in Docker, if you don't change your, your user, you're going to be running as root. And obviously running as root, you have all the privilege in the world and you really, you shouldn't be doing that, right? Because you, you should be really operating from the, from the principle of least privileges. You should only be using the privilege that you need. And, and root is way too powerful and there's way too much stuff that can, that can go wrong and you're opening yourself up to, to, to security problems and vulnerabilities and whatnot. So all the, the node official images, they come in, they, they actually have built-in support for a user that's created already in the operating system for you called node but it's up to you to enable it, right? Okay. And so you can do this in your Docker file really easily. Just use the user command to switch to the node user. Just do that. And it's gonna, you know, this may have some some permissions access issues. You're gonna have some, um, some gotchas along the way. So it's gonna take a little bit more work just to tweak it and make sure that, you know, you're using the right, like, directories have the right permissions and ownership and whatnot. So there's a few, probably going to be a few more instructions that you need to do in there in your Docker file. But it's so much better to do that during the course of development than, you know, at the end, you've, you've got a working application and you're all done. And now it's like, you know, you work for a bigger company, so they're going to put it through a security audit. And it's like, oh, you got to change this. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. not when you want to change that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So yeah, so switch, 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 switch these or don't run as root, run under a, a lesser privileged account like the built-in node account. That's cool that they built that in and made it ready to go, switch mm -hmm. over and you're good to go. Yeah, cool. absolutely. All right, well, thank you. Uh, next week, we're going to talk a lot more about this talk because already, I, you know, it's just already super, super useful stuff. That And it's been a while since we've talked much about Docker, so it kind of feels good to go back to our container roots on this podcast. So thank you. Mopey 101. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. See you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash five nine. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.